When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, from the Dragao to the Carabao, it's another big week of action. There's Champions League with last 16 first legs. Travelling Arsenal failed to get their shots and don't get past Porto. Napoli debut a big girl's sock and a goal from Arnautovic means Atleti maybe are. Then there's Sunday's Wembley League Cup final, Liverpool-Chelsea, and Premier League news too. We ask, what was all the fuss about Liverpool-Luton? And who is Oliver Glasner? All that and more in this Totally Football Show. Well, hello there, listener. Let's see. Thursday, the 22nd of February, and a fat Totally Show ready for you, featuring Duncan Alexander. Hello. Hello, Duncan. Charlie Okoshare. Hello. Hello, Charlie. And also Natalie Jedra from Sky Sports. Hola. Hola, Natalie. How's everyone? Yes. How are your miserable lives as journalists? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're, we're not as good as, as you know, yeah. uh, uh, the tribal winner manager. But, yeah. you know, we're, mm. we're doing okay. Doing okay. doing okay. All right. It's been a busy midweek, eh? Loads of midweek action. Duncan Bradford Wickham in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy. Yeah. Big game. Bad pitch. Right. Good outcome. Wickham went through? Yeah, they didn't deserve to. They played very poorly in Bradford. I mean, I'm assuming most people didn't watch this game. Um Bradford's pitch is no longer... Do you remember the Charlton, the game at Chelsea in the early oh, 2000s? Oh, yeah, well, the sand. Yeah, the it was pitch. pretty much like that, but mm. a little bit more muddy. But So it was almost impossible to play football, and then there was there was more rain. Um, was, it rained on their parade. <laughs> yeah, literally. Because yeah. it's called Valley Parade. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, Bradford dealt with it better, but Wickham, a team we've let in a lot of late goals this season, scored one of their own, and uh, off to Wembley. So. I wanted a match report. Brilliant. They're going to yeah. be at Wembley. They will be playing at, yes... The Wembley Stadium. Fantastic. All right. Who are they playing? And is it the final already or is it? Uh, playing their grudge match rivals, Peaceberry United. Ooh. So that adds a bit of spice. The, probably the best bit from the game actually was uh, Wickham's Luke Lee. He was booked for wiping the ball on a steward's jacket, which oh. is one of the lesser spotted. On gentlemanly conduct. Yeah, but he apparently did it on a Bolton flag playing for Shrewsbury last season. So he's, he likes to, you know, dry things. <laughs> Will you go to the final? Yes. Take yeah. the kids? Yeah, yeah, my daughter's become a big, a big Wickham fan this season. Nice. Uh, All right. Bristol Street Motors. They'll be dancing on the streets of Bristol Street Motors. Uh, also in action midweek, Manchester City and Liverpool have continued their Premier League charge. City beat Brentford 1-0 with a Haaland goal late on. Liverpool did their kind of Barca 2019 cosplay thing against Luton, coming from a goal down to win 4-1. In America, the... 2024 MLS season kicked off. Inter Miami against Real Salt Lake, Charlie. 2-0 for Inter Miami. Suarez and uh, Messi turned up for this one. Um, they didn't do the scoring, but anyway, that's nice. And, of course, there was the Champions League. The Champions League, another four last 16 ties, including this. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Ooh. 
E a bola vem do Otávio. E o Otávio dá a bola para o lado esquerdo agora a carregar o Porto Ponta. Pega! That was Portuguese Radio Antena Un's reaction to the 94th minute winner by Galeno against Arsenal. What were they saying there? <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting that in Brazil we say goal yeah. and they say golo. Ooh, yeah, right, it's one golo. of those light differences between Portuguese they speak in Portugal and, and in Brazil. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty understandable. <laughs> yeah. Golo, golo, golo. Porto, porto, porto. Porto, porto, porto. Yeah. Anyway, what a stunner from Galeno, the last kick of the game, effectively. He'd had that amazing chance mm, uh, at the 21st minute. Double chance, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, what, what, what a strike. You know, I, I, I went to look him up. Oh, yeah? Yes, because there were plenty of, of Brazilians playing that match mm. uh, between Arsenal and, and Porto. And it's, it's very common that Brazilians, they go to Portugal for... Uh, passports. A lot of Brazilians have Portuguese passports because of, of family. And he's 26 already. And I've never heard of him. Mm. And in Brazil, he's he's not known at all. Wenderson Galeno. He had uh, a year and a half in Brazil. He played for a small club in, in Goiás, in the central of, of the country. He joined Porto in 2016. He was just 19. And then he he's one of those careers... That, that were built in Portugal. So uh, he was on loan in other Portuguese clubs. He played for Portimonense, Rio Ave. He played for Braga. He, he was sold to Braga. That, that, that was intriguing. He was sold to Braga, and then he did really well at Braga. And then Porto looked at, it, at him and said, I don't know, we want him back. And then they activated a clause in his contract of rebuying him. Oh, yeah, nice. Yes, the old yes. buyback. Yes, and then, <laughs> now, now he's... He's scoring goals in the Champions right. League. Essentially priceless goal. Although, 1-0. I mean, Arsenal lost 2-1, uh, was it, at Lens? They do this yeah. a fair bit, don't they? Well, their home them. form in Champions League, they've won 4-0, 2-0 and 6-0 this season. So I think even with a 1-0 deficit, they would still be the favourites to go through and they would back themselves. But obviously, it does change things, especially mm. as this was a really painful evening for them against the low block. They didn't really create much. And obviously now with a lead, Porto will go and sit just as deep, if not deeper, and try the same tactic, which largely worked really well. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because in the Champions League this season, teams haven't set off Arsenal and Arsenal, as you said, have yeah. them off. And it's almost like Porto have gone, hang on. How, uh, Maybe Arsenal let's not do that. Pegged <laughs> back in the Premier League. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. We've got, and obviously they've got some players who, who are quite adept at doing that. So I think it, it might be quite hard for Arsenal to break them down in the second leg, but you would still make them favourites. Right. If they have some shots on target, for example. That would help, definitely, right. yeah. I think as if they had Jesus back as well, who, right. whatever people think about him in the Champions League, he is superb, generally. What is the prognosis as uh, for his return? Well, it keeps dragging on. He played against Forrest, scored and set up a goal, but played through injury. He's had this knee issue, uh, but that was three weeks ago now, and it keeps sort of getting delayed and delayed, and he had the surgery... Back end of 2022, came back, has had niggles. Uh, so it's a bit of a worry. But honestly, how intriguing is that the same team that scored 21 goals in the past five matches didn't have a shot on target? And after after the match, they were mentioning the, the wingers that they weren't involved enough, especially in the first okay. half, which is something that we heard during this season mm. uh, that, that, you know, opponents were targeting Martinelli and, and Saka. 
But when they did get involved in the second half, they weren't making the right decisions. The, the final decisions weren't going their way. So right. it's, it's an yeah. Arsenal set piece game as well, which has been such a factor this year. They weren't able to produce anything from that. But credit goes to Porto, who you imagine did the homework. They did. And yeah. that's now their sixth straight clean sheet at home. So mm. I mean, house. in the olden days, losing 1-0 away in this sort of game with the away goals would have been right. really dangerous yeah. for Arsenal. But now it isn't. And I do, this does feel like a sort of game that highlights that kind of missed that bit of jeopardy, mm. really. Even 0-0, I used to think, was a really good result for the home. Always a better result than it seemed for the home team. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, then you could go away and you just needed the one and suddenly this kind of panic at the home stadium this midweek in general in the Champions League felt a little bit flat and I wonder if the absence of the away goal jeopardy which I mean it is in some ways an artificial it, I think uh, it's one of the twist, yeah it was one of the best rules in football wasn't it? it I love I the love away it. goals it, 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 it such makes stuff yeah, feel like role. European football as well like yeah. it's yeah. just the Carabao Cup with a bit more glamour and the, the, one, of the, one of the best things about the away goals rule was that it meant extra time was so much less likely. And extra time is so it's just generally really bad in football. And right. the, just having that kind of you can go from winning to losing with one goal was an amazing dynamic. I guess, yeah, this was a bit of a return to those Christmas festive games that Arsenal had where they struggled if they, you know, not, not going ahead early. That said, I think for them... Nil-nil, which, you know, it was a nil-nil game, really. You know, it was an amazing goal to set it. It kind of came out of nowhere. You know, nil-nil would have been a pretty good result for them. They, yeah. they would have happily taken that. Um, Except that now Porto can draw... Porto have had 22 competitive matches in European competition in England. They won none of them. They have drawn three, but lost the other 19. So, you know, those, yeah. those are the numbers. One was that one, old, the famous Old Trafford, Mourinho... Of course. ...dancing down the touchline, yeah. which was... They'd also they'd won the first leg that time in Porto, hadn't they? And then that got them the draw. Uh, there was the a, a Paul Scholes goal called offside, was. which was yeah, yeah, yeah. And how, how different Mourinho's career might how have different been. his suit would have looked. Well, yeah, <laughs> fewer grass stains. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, they did, Porto did do really well from the set pieces, and and Arsenal's big sort of one of their weapons at those is Ben White, who is a real irritant, goes and gets by the goalkeeper, and weirdly, a lot of teams seem to just let him do it. Mm. But obviously, Porto were wise to it. And I mean, every corner there was just grappling and quiet words from the ref. I mean, there was a good stat that went around. I think the ball, in, the ball was in play for, let me just get the numbers up, but it was nothing. I mean, it was like 45 minutes of the game. Uh, yeah, the, sorry, the ball was in play for just 51.7% of the game by some distance the lowest, lowest percentage of any of the round of 16 ties so far this season. Lazio Bayern... Uh, by way of comparison, was sixty six point nine. That's and Sam, in, in, Sam Dean tweeted that, uh, and and that does tell the story. I mean, it was so stop start. It was a really boring, bitty game. I thought. Yeah, and in Premier League terms, Arsenal are pretty high normally in terms of ball in play. So mm. yeah, it was. It, you could say it was a job well done. Yeah, they played on their terms. Porto. They yeah. There you go. Three weeks time, they'll be at the Emirates. We'll see how that works out. Saturday, meantime, Arsenal will be facing Newcastle. Looking to bounce back and avenge their one 0 defeat at St James's Park hmm. back in November, which was the subject of some controversy. Do you recall this, <laughs> Natalie and Anthony Gordon goal that it had uh, a long? Yeah, no, yeah, they're still checking still, that. Yeah, exactly. Five minutes ago. <laughs> we're still yeah. checking that goal. No, but Good it seems like uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like it was a lifetime ago, honestly, yeah. uh, for both teams, I think, and, and especially for Newcastle because they've been leaking so many goals. And if if I were a Newcastle fan, I'd be so worried about the duel between Denburn and Saka. Mm. Uh, as much as he, he didn't have uh, a good midweek, he's 
oh my god he's he's so on he's so in form and and then burn he's been struggling it's been it's been a theme for newcastle that He's, he struggled a few times against very quick opponents. It was very uh, clear against Ogbene in that 4-4 with Luton. So that was a big talking point. And Newcastle, um, I mean, in the Premier League, Arsenal, they're in a real scoring form. And they've been leaking a lot of goals. Uh, and, and it's down to many things. Mm. Not only the goalkeeper. And, you know, you have uh, Dubravka, who's a, an excellent goalkeeper, but he's different from Nick Pope. But you have changes in the midfield. And you have the, the speed that is, is, is not happening. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be worried if I was a, a Newcastle fan, especially with, with Arsenal's speed. Mm. He did well in this. I know. I know. It's things have changed for him. But Dan Byrne did well in this fixture last year uh, against Saka, mm. which, which finished nil nil. Mm. In fact, that was the last nil nil Arsenal had had until. Oh no, it didn't end. It was. It was said yesterday during the game. This will be the first nil nil. So that was the last nil nil Arsenal had really? was against Newcastle huh. uh, thirteen months ago. Do you know Newcastle have only ever won once at the Emirates? That was in twenty ten, and they haven't scored a goal there for nine years. Yeah, Iosi Perez. There you go. And it was yeah. An- Andy Carroll who scored that winner mm. in 2010. Just I cannot he left. see another new new for this match. No. no. no although no. I think uh, the fact that Arsenal played, you know, quite a tight turnaround and also made basically no subs. Jorginho was the only player who came right. on. So all their attacking players pretty much did the full 90. If Jesus isn't back then, which you assume he won't be, then there's no one else... Uh, that Arteta seems to really trust unless he started Jorginho and moved things around so meant he had a Trossard maybe or someone to come on. But he's kind of relying on the same group of players. And I did think that was telling yesterday. He made one sub, and which kind of tells you how he views the rest of those subs. If you're not bringing them on in a nil-nil last 16 Champions League tie, he probably doesn't think there's a huge amount of use for them. Which is concerning because obviously... We're getting to the point where last season Arsenal kind of ran out of steam. Yeah, I mean, I I think the key is when those players like Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Jesus, Partey all being out, when they come back and then Arsenal have a squad again. Because at the moment, they've played the same 11 three games running. And the gap then from those starters to the guys on the bench seems to be huge, certainly in Arteta's eyes. So I do think that that will be really important as to whether they can sustain a title challenge and Champions League run. Okay, a game coming up anyway against Newcastle at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Natalie mentioning Dan Byrne reminded Mm. me that we've sadly just passed the 10-year point since his famous game for Fulham. Remember where David Moyes, Manchester United, when uh, United made 81 crosses. Dan Byrne headed away most of them. So, you know, it's good that he's still operating in a different position 10 years later. What a man. Magnificent. Nice. Uh, there you go. Anyway, uh, more Champions League up next as we get on to the other game Wednesday and the Tuesday matches. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. This is The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tuesday, Inter beat Atletico Madrid 1-0. Go by Arnautovic. Oof, he needed that as well. Mm. That same evening, PSV Eindhoven were 1-1 with Borussia Dortmund. And the other game on Wednesday that was... That wasn't a penalty. I mean, it yeah. was, It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It was Matt Hummels uh, who brought down Malik Tillman. But he gets plenty he of gets the ball. He gets the ball, but then, he goes in with his studs up, gets the ball, but then is basically lying as a kind of human barrier to the player and his forward momentum takes him over and he trips. So I don't know which part gets the penalty. Yeah. I have to say, when I, I heard the outrage of like, how's, how's this given as a penalty? Yeah. Then I saw it and I kind of thought, mm, sort of can see why that hasn't been overturned. Mm. Like, I don't know if it meets that threshold. Like, I didn't think it was as outrageous as most seem to. People who watched this game attentively felt that it was a fair result anyway, the 1-1. Mm. Eh. All right, Natalie. Anyway, on uh, Wednesday... <laughs> I'm by myself in this. How did you feel about Come the 1-1? No. 1-1 as well for Napoli and Barcelona on, on, on Wednesday. wasn't a great game. Have to it say, wasn't, wasn't a great game. No. It was a decent performance from Barcelona. They haven't had many of these during the season. So mm. I, I, was, I was looking the the Spanish press, which is always interesting, you know, mm. because if it's a so-so... It's kind of a good performance. They they either think it's tragic or or the best performance ever. But it was like the right tone. So I think that says a lot about okay. about how Barcelona played. It was okay, but I think that the big story is is, is at Napoli. Yeah, the new manager. Yeah. Uh, so well, Barcelona were were very much in control of the first part, which Napoli looked kind of lost, and it's understandable because their new manager had had one training session with them after being brought in on. On Tuesday, his name, as we were discussing on uh, in Tuesday's uh, Euro show, Francesco Calzona. And this was the first club match he'd ever managed as well. How about that for your first club West match? 16. Have a go with Barcelona in the Champions League. Champions League. Yeah. He had been. Oh. He was assistant to Maurizio Sarri when he was at Napoli. The, the pair of them had become friends back when Sarri was... Do you remember when Sarri was a, a banker who used to mm. dabble in management? And um, I love this career path. Yeah, that we've seen well, Calzona's a yes. little bit similar. He used to sell coffee or coffee vending machines, um, which is a bit of a troubling thought in Italy. But anyway, he mm. was involved in the coffee trade, in big coffee. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and he was also... You know, doing a bit of the he used to be a bit of a player and he was doing some kind of amateur level uh, coaching and they they kind of became friends. And when Sarri started to move up through the ranks, he he called Calzona in as his assistant. And he was still there when Spalletti 
joined. So he had a year with Spalletti. So the feeling was, you know, he knows the club and that. Spalletti and Calzone sounds like a really nice meal, but not quite. <laughs> it doesn't it? I was going to say, what, yeah. is, what does Calzone, obviously Calzone has that meaning. What does the word actually mean? Well, uh, calzone, your uh, socks, no? So uh, a calzone, uh, something orny, is a big something. So uh, calzone is like a big sock, which is obviously exactly what a calzone looks mm-hmm, like. Yeah. Um, but a calz, calzona is a feminine one. Um, but anyway, yeah, what it, what it meant was that they had a man in charge who actually made some good substitutions, the press felt, and rescued Napoli from their befuddlement. And they came into the game after Lewandowski had finally put away one of Barcelona's chances, his fifth goal in his last five matches, a swivel and shoot through two defenders past the uh, outstretched Merritt, who'd been mm. pretty much the only good player for Napoli till that point. But then Napoli found some form. They came out from the second half with a, a lot more confidence and attacking intent. And uh, Victor Ozimen, uh, to no one's great surprise, it yeah. was who grabbed the equaliser. And they could have had a winner. Well, both sides could have, to be fair. There yeah, were Gundogan that the... won it, didn't he? Now? Yeah, he could have done I mean, Lewandowski's goal was amazing, I thought. Did you like it? I just thought, yeah, I mean, I love goals that you think so few players could have scored that. Mm. And how few players could score with that little backlift, with that many defenders mm. around. It's just such a, a proper striker's goal. I really liked it. Mm. I, I did think as well, this game is kind of symptomatic of this slightly weird last 16 that you've got two clubs like Napoli and Barca who seem kind of crisis clubs. You don't have Liverpool in there. You don't have Bayer Leverkusen in there. Mm. Like it doesn't feel like the best teams in Europe are necessarily even in it on top of the fact that some of those who probably are in those best 16 teams aren't doing that well at the moment. Like it does feel like quite an open yeah. uh, last 16 or more so than usual. Yeah, well, the eight ties that we've had in the last 16, only two teams have got a two-goal lead going into the second leg. That's Man City who were 3-1 winners a week ago in Copenhagen. And PSG... Although, is a two-goal lead mm. a two-goal lead when it's PSG? I don't know. Anyway, they will be travelling to the Anoeta to take on Real Sociedad in a fortnight. The other game, as I mentioned, was Inter taking on Atletico, which was a proper Champions League last 16 tie. And I, I don't think the scoreline reflects the level of Inter dominance. Atletico didn't have a shot on target. Inter had plenty, scuffed and skied all of them, uh, particularly Marco Arnautovic, who came on who I don't think was a particularly great player for Inter back when he was part of the treble-winning side under Mourinho uh, de- over a decade ago, has been off kind of journey, journey manning his way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what a West career. Ham. Part of that Stoke team that had five Champions yeah. League winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great moment. He comes in now and he came onto the field because Turam, Marcus Turam has been such a great strike partner for Lautaro Martinez, picked up an injury and then Mart- Marco Arnautovic comes on and the fans are really beginning to fear the worst. But eventually, after one particularly egregious miss, a um, Lautaro Martinez chance gets squared mm. to him, and he he puts it away. He does. Def- I thought the defender was going to clear it yeah. on the line. I mean, it's, uh, it's it was na- it, it was close, especially the day he was ha- the the night he was having. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Oblak he 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 played a good match, and he, did. he had he hasn't been playing that well this season, mm. and. I don't know what to think of this one nil because Atletico they 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 play so differently at at the Wanda, so it's it's all very open still because because mm. they were very conservative uh, in Italy they 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 properly defended 
and now they're going to play their game in, in Wanda Metropolitano and they're going to play a crazy second half probably. They're going to hold back in the first mm -hmm. half and, and go for it in the second half. So it's all very open in this fixture. Yeah. Inter haven't lost a game away from home all season. In fact, they've only had one defeat all season. They've also had, in the Champions League, four clean sheets in their seven matches now. 21 in all competitions this season, which is mad. So, yeah, watching them I think like, against that Atletico is going to be, I think, the tie of the second leg. Yeah, I think so. I think Inter, this, I mean, with the Proviso Man City are still there, I think this mm. is quite an open Champions League this season. And Inter have got, you know, they were in the final last year. They're, yeah. they're a good team. I think they've got a really good chance. All right. Did you see Kenya West at Santiago? Mm. Did you, though? Well... Did you see a hooded figure yeah. wearing a black full full face balaclava? Yeah, it looked yeah. like a sock, ironically. It should have been a <laughs> big sock. <laughs> oh, big old sock. I didn't realise that Anatovic as well was still at Bologna. I mean, he's on loan from right, Bologna. Right, yeah. High-flying Bologna. Yeah. Who I saw when I went to Bologna in October. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. And, and we, like, we were really impressed with it. Like the way you said when you went to Bologna. I saw Bologna when I went to Bologna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, Bologna in Bologna, the way to do it. No, I loved them as a team. Yeah. I thought they were really good. And it's I've, it's been, you know, you then keep your eye on them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they're doing Is it great. Lewis Ferguson? Yeah, he's yeah, scored. Yeah. Lewis Ferguson, which and really Zerk said he was superb. Yeah. yeah. And I think he'll, he may well be moving to a big, big club. Soon. And as much as Xavi Alonso is very much the hot ticket managerially speaking, I think uh, Thiago Motta yeah. is going to be the other Absolutely. name that a lot of clubs are going to be seeking, who was Arnautovic's teammate. Although Arnautovic barely played in that inter trouble winning side under Mourinho. Anyway, he was the one who got elbowed, wasn't he, by Busquets? I believe he might have been. Or, yeah, no, other way around. He did the elbow to Busquets, got the sending off early on, which oh. is why Inter were playing with 10 men oh. for most of that Barca. So much one sided game ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, all returning in a fortnight, the Champions League. Liverpool were not involved in the competition, but thanks to a generous quirk of the calendar, they did get to play this week on a Champions League Wednesday. They had that come-from-behind win against Luton and Jürgen squinted a bit and said it was a bit like that time when they beat Barcelona afterwards. We'll talk about that and Sunday's Carabao Cup final, Chelsea-Liverpool, next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. And they're looking for another goal. Dance would have been in had Robertson been able to thread it through. Here is Jaden Dance. It's a lovely turn. Gakpo for four. It might be one for Elliot. That's sealed in style by Liverpool. Listener, you've got your freshest bunting out and you've rounded up the neighbours for a street party because it's Carabao Cup Sunday. Chelsea-Liverpool, three o'clock, of course. The action begins at Wembley. But for many of us, this encounter's already underway. We're playing it in our minds. Natalie, you're going to be there. You've got yes. the hot ticket. Woo! Yes. <laughs> Very excited. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, after the Luton game, James, yeah. uh, Jurgen Klopp was talking to the press and he said something uh, in the lines of, oh, will we be the big favourites for this final? Definitely not. Hmm. Because of the injury list and because 
basically the injury list. Okay. Really. And because Chelsea is, uh, they just come from the back of, of a, a good performance against Manchester City. Is this the same Chelsea who Liverpool beat 4-1 a couple mm-hmm. of months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But it made me think, who is the favorite really? Is, I don't know. Who is the favorite? Is Liverpool still? I think Liverpool yeah. still the favorite because they, they've, they've shown good football consistently. Uh, more often throughout the season, while Chelsea, they, they show progress, uh, signs of progress, definitely. Mm. And especially against City, I think they, they were able to to set themselves up uh, in pressure in the right way. They didn't go all in and they didn't have the low block. So so they got that really, really well. But with Liverpool, is a complete different dynamic. But the injury list is is quite worrying, so... So the game on Wednesday night against Luton mm-hmm. sounded quite dramatic. I was busy with Champions League. It wasn't on yeah. TV, but you were able to see because yeah. you work for Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. What, how, what, what was all the fuss about? Um, I think second half, they were very efficient. Uh, first half wasn't so good and, and merits to Luton as well. Mm. They, they they played a really good first half. But I think the fuss was especially around the, the injury list and how Liverpool was able to uh, deliver a good performance and deliver an important win with such a young team. They okay. the, the starting 11 was uh, 25 years and 68 days. The club's youngest since February 2018. And on the bench, they had five players aged 19 or under with uh, one uh, 16-year-old. Right. Yes. So so that, I think the, the first was especially around that, around, because if you if you look at the starting 11 against Luton, the, the, the front three, it's a completely different dynamic when you have Diaz, Gakpo, and Harvey Elliott. Mm. So at, fir- at during the first half, they, they weren't getting things right. And, and Klopp said it himself that they were rushing things a lot. And and on the second half, they got that right. But when you don't have Nunez and you don't have Salah involved, because they weren't and even Jota. on the bench, and Jota, because he's not going to play yeah. for a while. Uh, while Nunez and, and Salah, they still have a chance to play uh, Carabao Cup final. So it was important for them to deliver a performance with a lot of goals and get the win uh, without so many important players. Okay. Well, it was a very Carabao Cup team that they put out mm. in a kind of classy nod to mm. the final. Yeah, that is a good, good point, actually. Kelleher oh. and goal, obviously. Yeah. Well, Benny had put Luton ahead in the first half, and then Liverpool stormed back in the second, two goals in two minutes from Van Dijk and Cody Gakpo, double Dutch. Luis Diaz, who had squandered, I think that's the term, yeah, Very Liverpool so, missed yeah. four big chances in the game. Mm, so. Four. Mm. And then Harvey Elliott made it 4-1 in his 100th appearance for Liverpool. I'm astonished that he's made 100 appearances mm, already. Still only 20. Wow. He's, um, yeah, I mean, it was funny, I think, because obviously it was, you know, Liverpool did wake up in the second half, but Rob Edwards said, oh, we made them angry. And I uh, think there's, there's a few ways that visiting managers can go at Anfield. There's the kind of like grumpy version which we've seen or there's the kind of lean into the heritage of Liverpool and it was you know Edwards was even sort of congratulating Jade and Dan's at full time so saying I played with, played dad, with your yeah. dad and yeah. it's almost like there's a managerial opportunity coming up uh, <laughs> at Liverpool and if you, you know everyone like loves Rob, Rob Edwards but um, yeah he was on very um, conciliatory form shall we say mm. it, it was this it was a really good and important win for them because I think you know people would have been looking at that team the starting 11 and thinking maybe it's a chance of some drop points and you know Luton are really 
tricky opponents. So to come back like they did, and you know the goal difference battle, which is yeah, exactly. on, you know yeah, ongoing, really that they yeah. keep sort of you know this and Brentford to win both those games four one. Right, that's really. I mean, it's that's very really unusual. But City, albeit with a game in hand on Liverpool, but not on Arsenal anymore. They've got third best, haven't they? Yeah, which yeah. is really unusual for for Manchester City. And you know, so Liverpool... City now a point behind Liverpool. No, they're four, four behind with a game in hand. Oh, I haven't updated my table since yesterday. There you go. Mm. Hmm. Unlike the uh, the podcast, yeah, but, um, nicely done. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, YouTube I mean, it, viewers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hello. Um, but yeah, it's, I think we can all hope that there's a proper three way title race because you don't get they're that rare. Many. Yeah, they are rare. Yeah, yeah 2013, mm. 14, probably the, yeah. the last one, which people um, don't really think of because Chel- I mean Chelsea it could with be the four four team title race really. Yeah, for a while, but I mean Chelsea being the third wheel in that a bit, which people. I mean, people don't really think they of got away. Like they fell off, and they got away with that because everyone was focused on. Yeah. Chris Tam- was that Chris Ball? Was that the Liverpool? Yeah. 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 Okay. And it was also them, obviously Chelsea beating Liverpool. That was, you know, that was the Denver Bar mm. Gerrard slip. But Chelsea were basically. What? Out of it, Never heard about that. What yeah. happened? <laughs> All it was. Um, yeah, I mean, right. it, so to Liverpool's injury problems and squad depth, mm. yeah, this is the earliest in a top flight season they've ever had five players reach double figures for goals, and it's the the Fab Five or whatever you want to call them. But I mean. I guess, you know, Gakpo's probably been the least celebrated of those this season. And now he's got a a really good opportunity. Their depth there is amazing. To have those five players and be able to rotate them. And they're just so different from one another, which, Mm. you know, you can go both ways because they're very different from one another. Yeah. And and actually, like, I always thought the Mane, Firmino, Salah, like how Liverpool moved on from that was always going to be really, really hard. And I think we saw that last season. And I still think that was like a generational front three, but they've obviously they're doing something a bit different with yeah. the five that they can rotate. And as Natalie says, those different options that they've done that really well. And okay. underrated player of the year, Endo, obviously back from mm-hmm. Asian Cup duty, mm-hmm. and you know a genuinely good player. So, would you make Liverpool favourites? And let's talk a little bit about Chelsea, who weren't in action midweek, will be arriving fresh, have looked a little bit better of late. Yeah, they have. But I mean, they've been, their season has been sort of pockmarked with these periods where you think they're getting better, then they step back and and look worse again. Um, I think they'll make this competitive, but I do think Liverpool... yeah, I would Chelsea remind me of a, of a space program in the fact that there's been a lot of money spent on it and mm. rockets get launched and sometimes they don't work and they crash um, but then sometimes they do and it's like oh the technology is coming, coming good mm. so will they be over the moon mm. come Sunday mm. afternoon yeah I wonder one wonders doesn't one uh, well, the these two teams sorry Natalie you go ahead because I was just going to mention a couple <laughs> of seasons ago when they met Chelsea and Liverpool in the FA Cup and League Cup final and both games ended nil-nil. Mm. League Cup one was good. FA Cup one, less so. Right. League Cup one was the one that went so deep that the keepers yeah. had to... Yeah, yeah. It was, that it, was a great It was one. nil-nil, yeah. but there it were a lot of like the best nil-nil of the season. Mm. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that was then, but to your point. No, I think it's good news for, for Chelsea that Dizazi uh, and Colwell did really well against Man City. So when you, you don't have Thiago Silva and... Because obviously he's injured, so it's important for for players to step up in in this sense. And Malogusto looked mm, well yeah. as as well. So uh, when you have Liverpool's strength up front, you really need your defenders. A lot of people ask, uh, what does Malogusto mm. mean? It doesn't actually quite. It's like Calzona, no? It's yeah. one vowel away well, from being bad taste. Yes, yes, kind of, yeah. Mm. 
Because gusto, yeah, gusto can mean a few things, but it, it can mean taste. Okay. Yes, yes. I, yeah, to taste something. Does it sound strange to you, malo gusto? And, and this podcast makes me think of things that I've never <laughs> really? thought about. Because I even I think no. of that. <laughs> of yeah. course you do. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what leaves a bad taste. Um, you keep it refusing to come off when you want to sell right. it in a league cup final. Yeah, the, the Chelsea the City game. Mm. Mm. But with, with Thiago Silva as well, I get the sense that um, for all he is still really important to them, there is this feeling that actually they can play in a very different way without him. And yeah. that's the way forward for them probably from next season. So it's interesting. Like, but I wonder if, you know, if, if and when he is fit, does Pochettino stop playing him or is that too, too bold a move? Yeah, well... You're asking a Thiago Silva. Well, exactly, fan, yeah. So I would, I wouldn't stop playing because I think his power of, of anticipation and, and mm. reading the plays, it's it's like no one else. Uh, but you do get more mobility and you have more speed, of course, when you have uh, different players as Dizazi and, and Cowell uh, playing playing the back. For, I mean, we saw Chelsea. yesterday Pepe used forty. Yeah, still and counting. Still got next it. Week. Is it forty-one next week? Mm. Yeah, there you go. I did think that. Yeah, when I heard he was only forty, I thought I thought he'd be older than that. So <laughs> and he will. That be. makes sense. He soon <laughs> will be. But yeah, with Thiago Silva and Hit, you know, there's still still a place for the the veterans. Yeah. Yes, no, definitely. But and, and Chelsea, they have such a talented midfield. They just need to find their the right pace there. I hmm. think I think pace is going to be important in this in this fixture. Okay. I mean, well, Pochettino look, lost the 2015? Yeah, his final. first season at Spurs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also lost to Klopp in a pretty big final a few years later. Oh, let's yes. hope Sunday is going to be better than that. Because that, that, that match was, terrible. was, that yeah. was not it exciting. Was hot. That was what people always say about that game. It was really hot. Yeah, and three weeks after the Premier League. Yeah, that's finished, wasn't the it? So it did have like a yeah. sort of post-season friendly. Mm. Also, that game didn't have a place in the Europa Conference League riding on it for the winners. So... That's true. Yeah, which you know, whoever emerges victorious from the yeah. from the game Sunday will be I mean, making their plans for far flung European <laughs> stadium. I mean, that is Chelsea are in the position where they could mm. do conference league, get that, then they could win the FA Cup, that gets Europa League, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So they could sort of be trumping themselves, and obviously they could still do it through the league, but this mm. does feel like their best their best route. All right, well, enjoy the game, Natalie, on on Sunday. And uh, let's let's next up move on to the Premier League action that's taking place this weekend. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Premier League this weekend, no lunchtime game on Saturday. There's four games that you can't watch at three o'clock. That's Palace Burnley with uh, Palace's new manager, Oliver Glasner. Villa Forest, the Centre Park's Classico, as I like to call it. <laughs> Man United, Fulham and Brighton, Everton. That was 5-1 for Everton last season. Mm. Still reeling at that. At 5.30, there's the latest chapter in what is, I think I'm right in saying, Duncan, the most one-sided series in English top flight English football. league history, yeah. yeah. 19 games uh, Bournemouth have played against. Uh, City mm. and have never won. Right. And 13 games so far in the Premier League and, and lost it's 13 the wins for mm. City. So they go again at the Vitality Stadium Saturday tea time and then at 8 o'clock Newcastle will be visiting Arsenal. 8 o'clock, that's brutal, isn't it? It'll be as tough getting home from there as Royston Vasey. Very much so. <laughs> uh, Roy one game Brown's on the... real name, of course. Mm? Roy Chubby Brown's real name. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, but that, that would have been 12.30, but it got moved because ah. of the rule that if you've played away, certainly in Europe, and it might be away generally, but definitely away in Europe, you can't go Wednesday night away in Europe and then 12.30. Even if you're Saturday. Liverpool? Even if you're Liverpool. And Liverpool, I think, are the last team to do it. Away oh. at Newcastle in what would have been April 2022? That's amazing. Or May 2022. Amazing. Yeah, space, okay. yeah. So it's, all right, so it's not the TV bigwigs fault, it's the rules. It dems the rules. Dems the rules. Okay. Uh, oh, there's a game on Sunday. It's Wolves Sheffield United. That's at 1.30. Don't know how that happened. And then on Monday night, on Monday night, you've got West Ham Brentford. Quick mention for Man City and their 1-0 win against Brentford. Mm. Anybody want to express any? Yeah, I mean, Brentford did pretty well in this game, actually. And it was quite weird because they just got a little bit carried away and sort of sent a few players forward. And then City countered and there's a slip in there. I mean, it's, it's a slip that I don't think would happen almost against any other player but Haaland. I think he's so the defender's so fearful that he's about to get in a one-on-one with Haaland. And it was quite a similar situation to Haaland against Branthwaite a couple of weeks ago and Haaland just absolutely charged past him. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, I think it's Ayer just fell over so he didn't have to right. get involved in that duel and Haaland... Went through, but yeah, a big win for them. It, it looked like it might be a frustrating one. Yeah, lovely Edison save in there as well. Lovely. He went flying across, but instead of palming the ball away, he, he caught it and landed with it like it was the 1970s. Yeah, mm, that is quite a yeah. mm. very retro. Very anyway, Bournemouth hosting City this weekend. Yeah, the the the, the first fixture at the the Etihad is is not a good memory for them as well. Six one. I was the. Were you the, there? The, yes, I was. It, it was the Doku parade. Yeah. Yeah. God. Scored a goal. Four and assists. Four assists. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Has anyone ever got five in a Premier League game? No. Never happened. Not yet. Anyway, down the bottom, pending points deductions and appeals and that kind of thing, situation is currently. Burnley and Sheffield United, joint bottom, seven from safety, looking a little bit done for. Five teams then within five points of each other, battling not to be 
Team 3, that's Brentford, Palace, Forest, Everton and Luton, who still have a game in hand on the others. Saturday at 3, two of those of that quintet face off at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace taking on Burnley. It's going to be a debut match for Palace's new manager, Oliver Glasner. To fill us in a little bit on what to expect from Oliver, let's hear now from Raphael Honigstein. Rafa, wiki me this. Who is Oliver Glasner? <laughs> he is a former Austrian player, uh, second division, who had a long career that came to a halt when he had a bit of a head injury and was advised not to continue playing. Then became a coach at SV Ried, the club that he played for, then went to Linzer uh, ASK, Lask, really successful there. And then he made the step up to the German Bundesliga and had really real big success at Wolfsburg, taking them to the Champions League. And of course, Frankfurt then followed with the famous Europa League win um, and surviving the group stage in the Champions League in the second season. But he does have a habit of uh, falling out with sporting directors a little bit. That happened at Wolfsburg, happened at Frankfurt, which is why after two years each uh, at both of those clubs, he moved on again. Okay. What kind of football do you think the Palace fans can expect from him? I think slightly more expensive football than under Roy Hodgson. Uh, maybe that's not too, uh, too difficult, but he does like to be quite direct. He does like to press. He does like to commit men forward. Um, he doesn't have a fixed formation. Played mostly with three at the back at Frankfurt, mostly with four at the back at Wolfsburg. But... The principles are quite similar. There's always a big emphasis on um, pressing a lot, running a lot, and trying to be yeah, quite fast and direct going forward. So I think pretty, pretty exciting um, for Crystal Palace. I think ultimately there's a ceiling to what he can do there in relation to the strength of the other clubs in, let's say, the top third of the table. But I think he's going to give it a go. And that should make for some interesting times, I think. He's only the second Austrian ever to manage in the Premier League after Ralph Hosenhutl at Southampton. Where would you put him on, on the scale of Bundesliga managers in the Premier League with, say, Klopp at one end and Felix Maggert and St. Cheese at the other? Where would you put Glasner? He's, he's much closer to, uh, to Klopp than to Maggert. Um, a lot of people think he's underrated because he's a little bit quiet. I mean, he can be quite outspoken, but... He is not a big character um, and I think people tend to yeah, dismiss him a little bit because of that and perhaps don't look at the coaching qualities as much. But yeah, a lot of people are convinced that he is really cut out for, for very big things. I think in Germany he would have only taken a really big job after Frankfurt and Wolfsburg, but he was very, very excited and, and determined really to go to the Premier League even if uh, perhaps Crystal Palace aren't the most sort of immediately promising engagement in terms of fighting against relegation and so on, he thinks that he can do enough there to either take Palace up the table or show that he is um, ready to, to do it at a bigger club. Raphael Honigstein. Yeah, interesting. So Europa League winning manager... Rocky up at Sohurst Park. Palace obviously used to be nicknamed the Glaziers. 
quite similar, isn't it? It's quite similar, isn't it? Glasnier's. No. So they're taking on Burnley, as I say, which is not a bad opening fixture, is it? Mm. You Probably know, the best him? one you could ask for, yeah. Right. Okay. Palace on the longest run without a clean sheet of any team in the Premier League. 14 matches now. Hmm. Anyway, there you go. They had that 1-1 draw. That's another game that happened since our last show. A 1-1 draw away at Goodison on Monday night. Duncan, give us a, a one-line match. Yeah, before. I mean, it was obviously a big game in the relegation battle. I mean, I think Everton would have come out that disappointed they didn't win. They didn't really get going. Palace... They haven't won for a while. No. Since, eight Premier League games. Yeah, yeah, since early December. And it's kind of... Those sort of runs sneak up on you and, you know... They Sleepwalk were, towards relegation. Yeah. Um, obviously, Everton are in a in a very odd situation where we, you know, they've had a points deduction and there's another one pending, but then the original one might get reduced. So we, we literally don't know we what their correct know. position is. Mm. But For now, they've moved out of the bottom three on goal difference above Luton with that draw on Monday. Everton have what looks like a difficult fixture this weekend, Saturday, three o'clock away at Brighton. But then, as I mentioned, extraordinarily, mm. last season, they went down to the Amex and they beat them 5-1. That was crazy. Mm. It was a real Brighton at their going from the sublime to the ridiculous sort of uh, phase where they'd have a game like that. I think they beat, they then went and beat Arsenal 3 0 at the Emirates six days later. Mm. So, it was, you know, that, that was kind of where they were at that point. And then got smashed by Newcastle in the game after that. Yeah, and that's exactly what they, they yeah. don't want right now because they're, they're really looking for consist consistency. I was at Sheffield United Brighton and I spoke to, to De Zerbi after the match. Mm. And, and he was, uh, he's such a fascinating character, mm. honestly. Not in the predictable way because it's not like, oh, he's, the way he talks, it's, it's, it's not like Jurgen Klopp fascinating, it's right. not engaging in this sense. He's not a charismatic guy. Yes, but he says things that are very surprising. In in it, he just drops it like, like we what? were yeah we were talking about the wingers about the Jingra and and Mitoma hmm. and and how much freedom they have and and how creative they are and he's like yeah no you can talk about creativity about uh, regarding them but one of the most creative players I have on the team is Van Hecke. Van Hack is a is is a defender. So you think of him, you associate him with this uh, branded football of like attacking, and and then he he just peels out that his defender is like the most creative player in his team. You know, he he does these things, and and he talks about the consistency of results because he's pleased with the performances. He said, "No, we got we got really good performance. We just I can't control the results. <laughs> I just I, I love that. <laughs> I really do. I find Brighton fascinating." In him even and Van Hecker, it, the way he plays is really interesting. I mean, he goes yeah. flying out of defence uh -huh. to go and you know pick the try and win the ball high up the pitch and things like that. Like it's very um, kind of on brand for Deserby. I think with Everton, it's interesting because they they're one of the biggest XG underperformers. I think the biggest, aren't they? And there must be such a tension for Dyche between wanting, cause, you know, he's not he's not normally shy about kind of defending his record mm. and saying we're actually better than you think, but also he must hate XG, so he, he doesn't want to invoke that. But that would be quite a good way to sort of make his I point think, that they are playing better than, than yeah, it seems. Yeah, I think Deitch would, I think he probably accepts it in private. But in private, he can't, but he, he can't say The brand would not survive yeah, him. No way. <laughs> so it's a tricky one, yeah. I mean... I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's got the biggest underperformance of any player in the Premier League this season in mm. terms of XG. I mean, that, that's the issue is that, I mean, Calvert-Lewin was brilliant in the game at Brighton last season, I seem to recall. And so Everton are the biggest underperformers on XG and he is the biggest He's among the culprit. Them. And like, we all know that in form, Calvert-Lewin is a top half centre-forward. 
no one underperforms for XG forever, with you know a few exceptions in pub football. Um, but um, yeah, so if he can hit form, I think that will that will be the key. And yeah, maybe Brighton's a good place to do it. All right. At the same time, Saturday afternoon, Man United are hosting Fulham. Man United have got five wins in a row in all competitions. Mm. Uh, five wins in a row that have all featured Casemiro, who a lot of people say not playing that well, but when he's playing, they seem to do well. Is that fair, Casemiro? He did come off at half time, didn't he, of the mm. ah. Luton game, sort of for his own good because yes. it looked like he was get right. sent off. But yeah, no, he he does make a big difference to them. Uh, should should we talk more about Rasmus Hoyland then? Yeah, he's incredible scoring run. Yeah, I mean they they are on a great run. Um, I still think their wins haven't always been massively convincing. They tend to win by one goal. I mean, their goal difference is plus one. <laughs> What's amazing, I was looking at this, so over the part, including this season and the previous two, so that's a pretty long stretch. Their Premier League goal difference in that whole time is plus 16. Mm. So that's about 100, 100 games plus. They'd do that in a month back in the, in yeah, the heyday. But like that is, that's a crazy level of like mediocrity over a sustained period. Yeah, and you've, period. you've hit the nail on the head that they, they win more than they lose, but most of their wins are by one or two goals. And, and then, then they'll they go get and smashed. lose 7-0 at Anfield yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so it is weird. They are an eternal work in progress. I mean, obviously this week has seen you know Jim Ratcliffe start talking officially about the club. And mm. it, do, it does feel like they are entering a new... Well, they are entering a new era. But, I mean, on the pitch, it's still... Yeah, it's still a work in progress. But, you know, wins are wins. So I think what's huge, with, you mentioned Casemiro, a central mm. midfielder there. I think the absence, I believe the absence this weekend of Jao Palinha. Or yes. How should I say Jao, Natalie? Jao. 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 Yeah, Jao Palinha. I'm not sure there's a single player who's as irreplaceable to a Premier League team as mm. Palinha is yeah. to Fulham. Like, he is so good when he plays and they are so much worse when he doesn't. And that fact alone would make me think United... Uh, would be big favourites. He'll probably win this game. He he's suspended, yeah. I, be- I think yeah, he's already yeah, got the yeah, 10 yellows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, oh, wow. He's simply he, made he's, too many tackles. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's this yes. yellow card machine. Like he's, I mean, because he tackles so much. <laughs> we'll that. That sounds awful. <laughs> but he is. He, I think he was the first player to 10 yellows last season as he well. Needs, anyone, um, no player needs the introduction of blue cards more than... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He'd really benefit from that. But he's just so good for them and they really can't replace it. Yeah, you talk about Man United not being able to control matches mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that, you see... A player like like Jean Palinha and and he does the the dirty work for them because he he just Too runs dirty the, at yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes he misses it a little uh, but yeah he completely dominates midfield and and the way he he plays everywhere just so comfortably you know and and Fulham they have a very poor away form I think they just have one away win mm. so, the opening weekend away, yeah here's another worrying stat for Fulham they've only won once at Old Trafford in the last fifty one years. But Rodrigo hmm. Muniz yeah. has been scoring Ooh, he's goals. He's on fire, isn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah. No, no, he, he really struggled with that because he, he got to Fulham and then uh, when they were in the championship and then he went on loan for, for Middlesbrough, he came back. He was very unlucky with injuries. Then then Fulham signed Broja and, and mm. uh, so we thought, okay, he's not going to get many chances, but now he's he's scoring, enjoying it and, and it's it's um, it's good news definitely for, for Fulham fans. And it, it's a nice story as well. Excellent. Other games this weekend, uh, Sunday 1.30, you got Wolves, Sexy Wolves against Sheffield United. Wolves have won five of their last eight games. Saw them last week at Did the you? Spurs Stadium, yeah. uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and they were really good. Yeah. I mean, really impressive. Like, they they just have such a threat on the counter. Pedro Neto is just so good. And he was playing um, mainly on the left, 
which is very rare to get like a left-footed quick winger. It felt like a bit of a throwback, but he was deadly. And obviously then his assist for the winner, he's charging down the right-hand side. But yeah, he... Uh, a classic one of those players if he could stay fit you know, mm. he really could be I think everyone would be after him in the summer maybe they still will be I mean he's got nine assists and he's been injured a lot that's mm. decent also this weekend Villa taking on Forest that's Saturday at three o'clock and West Ham up against Brentford who are something of a bogey team for them on Monday Hammers have in fact lost three in a row in the Premier League and have been beaten in all five of their Premier League meetings with the Bees uh, is Lucas Paquetar back not sure, but actually he would rival Palinia for how much one, mm. you know, okay. how mm-hmm. reliant one team is on one player. I mean, Definitely. they their form has fallen off a cliff since he... Um, mm. since and he, not only the form, because uh, the main complaint from, from West Ham fans is that they're not enjoyable to mm. watch. And, and Lucas Paqueta, he completely changes yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, using Charlie's cutting-edge goal difference analysis, mm. West Ham the only team in the top half with a negative goal difference as it stands. So, a negative goal difference. Mm, they've mm. been... Yeah... It, I mean, it kind of sort of mirrors last season in the sense that they, the fans were very unhappy at, at this point in the season and then European football came back and obviously they mm. they inched their way to glory. But um, it does feel like, yeah, Groundhog Day a little bit. OK. Well, they're in the last 16 of the Europa League. They don't know yet who their opponent is because that's going to be decided by Thursday night's Europa League playoff second legs. There's a conference league playoff second legs as well. And it's all happening. Uh, I'm going to be uh, across it with a very special goal show. If you hear this, you know, before we're going going from 5.30 on uh, TNT nice. Discovery Plus. Yeah. So guaranteed four and a half hours of it. And if it goes to extra time, it could go longer. How many times will you say the word aggregate, do you reckon? I think a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we've got different languages. There'll be Jules, there'll be Rafa throwing in some, you know... Austrian variations, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's exciting. And, I mean, we didn't um, mention actually. Obviously, mm. Arsenal losing in Porto does not help the Premier League oh, ah, for getting yeah, a fifth yeah. a fifth spot in the Champions League. Wait, have you got the table there? England yeah. were third going into yeah. So it was Italy who've been doing really well. Yeah. Another set of good results. Then Germany and the top two teams get a fifth side. Yeah. Uh, there are other nations who are looking to improve. For example, France, who are are battling to. Broaden their presence in in the at the top table. So uh, as it stands, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, this is ahead of all the games on Thursday. Right. Although it doesn't involve any no, Premier League teams. So sense. as it stands, Italy are on an average of so it's basically worked on an average of your teams and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Italy's on fifteen point one, so they're top. Uh, Bundesliga second on fourteen point one, mm. and the Premier League's on thirteen point nine. So it's pretty tight. Is there anyone like the Group Super League sneaking up behind the Premier League? Though? Um, our old friends, the Spanish, oh, are yeah. on 13. But that, I think Opta have got a predicted model for it and it still has the Premier League mm. as the most likely to. Because they, they'll all come back on the Thursday night as well. I mean, like they haven't, there yeah. hasn't been any Thursday night involvement. Yeah, right. you'd expect Thursday. Liverpool, Brighton, so City, Premier Arsenal to get... Yeah, I mean, yeah. presumably, even like Liverpool, if Liverpool win the Europa League or if City win the Champions League, both of those feel fairly likely. Yeah, that, that would, that would basically do it. Yeah. That's why the Premier League still is the favourite. To and who's Opta, who, who do Opta have as the second team going, getting there? Uh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I think it was Italy, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. So 
We'll see. I mean, obviously, Inter again could, yeah. could do the business. We'll see. But, um, it's going to be such a big game with the Wonder uh, the Chivitas, but it, it feeds into our chat a minute ago about oh. you know Manchester United because they're only now three points off fifth place. So. Yeah, yeah, that, they have kind of crept up, and because Spurs aren't playing this weekend, um, United could go level on points with Tottenham. They would, of course, be behind because of <laughs> yeah, said yeah. goal difference. Nah, but if they win thirteen nil, yeah. so. <laughs> Um, the four yeah. Hoyland's in but it's nice isn't it it'll be lovely for football to have Manchester United fans cheering on Liverpool in the mm. Europa League final yeah. so special special memories very nice Duncan what a lovely way to finish today's Totally Football show thank you for being here today Natalie thank you for coming by thank hope you have a great time at Wembley Charlie not sure what you're up to this weekend but no Spurs so weekend off oh nice mm. well enjoy listener I know you'll join me in thanking Liam and Charlie in the booth and then receive my grateful appreciation of your, you know, ears and things. Uh, we will be hoping to borrow them again Sunday evening, stroke Monday morning, when we look back on the weekend's action. So perhaps you'll join us then. Have a great weekend in the meanwhile. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.